0: Thank you. <laughs> and, and worrying about everybody fitting in. But that's a good thing, and if you're here this morning for the first time, don't feel guilty about that. You're welcome, and um, it, it's just good to have you here. <clears throat> so for the for the home church here, I've been I've been going through the Book of James um, over the past year, and I've just we've just been looking at what God has for His church um, on a on a global scale, and but also here at Grace Point, what what does God have for His church here? Um, in the book of James, and we've, we've learned a lot um, of just really practical uh, advice and um, what, what it looks like to, to be the church today. Today we're going to be uh, starting in, in chapter 5 of James, uh, but before we dig into that, I just want to tell you guys uh, something that I've come across and I've been really uh, looking into uh, sort of regarding the topic that we're talking about today. So this, this book right here is called Cobalt Red, How the Blood of the Congo Powers Our Lives. It was just released uh, on January the 31st. I just got it in the, in the mail here about a week ago. Um, but the author is, a, is Siddharth Kara. He's an author and a researcher. And for the past 20 years, he's researched um, modern-day slavery around the world. And what he does in this book is he exposes a, a, a massive, massive problem um, that's that's going on right now that very, very few of us know about. And what he does is he shines a light on the country of Congo and what's happening with the cobalt uh, supply chain. So if you have a smartphone uh, or any. Type of device with a rechargeable battery in it, uh, with a lithium-ion battery in it, it contains cobalt, and the Congo is a s- fairly small country, but ninety percent of of the supply chain of cobalt today is coming from the country of, uh, of the Congo. Uh, about seventy-five percent of the world's of the world's um, cobalt supply is in con it comes from the congo and the the atrocities and that the horrific horrific story of the people of the congo right now uh that are that are it's just a mad scramble to supply to 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 to, to mine this uh, this this cobalt is is just is just horrifying in 2019 and and 20 2019 2020 and 2021 he Travel to the Congo and just try to figure out what's going on with this whole whole cobalt supply thing. What happens is the there's such a huge demand for it right now um, for because of all the all the batteries that we need to, to power our world, and that demand has only increased with the with the um, with the increase in production of electric cars. So. It takes about ten kilograms of of cobalt to build one electric car, and what that's what it's doing to the to is 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 just it's um the congo's the, the government will sell off mining properties or mi- land to to Chinese mining companies who will come in, and pretty much f- the government will force people off of their land and Sell the land to, to these mining companies. There's about 19 cobalt mining companies in the Congo, and of those 19, I think four, uh, 15 of them are, are, are Chinese mining companies. What happens is, about 60 percent of of, these, uh, of the cobalt supply comes from, comes from like legitimate, uh, somewhat legitimate, like corporately owned. Uh, mines, but of the rest of that supply chain, about forty percent of it comes from from what they call artisanal mining and it's what happens when the, when the government sells land to these to these companies, people get displaced from their homes they get pushed off from their from their from from their villages, and with there being almost no work there, they're forced to to join in the mad Race to dig for cobalt. So about forty percent of it comes from these artisanal, like like peasant um, people who are digging with their bare hands uh, with very very crude tools, right outside the 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 these industrial mines. And what he describes is just is just horrific. The um the human rights abuses, the child labor, the forced labor that's happening, um, and. I just want to read to you one, one, uh, one interview that he has with one of the um, with with fifteen year old boy who in 2019 uh, suffered a, a a bad accident in a tunnel collapse. So in these artisanal mines, <clears throat> there's there's no there's no protective gear, there's no modern day equipment. They're digging. These tw- uh, tunnels, 20, 30 meters down into the ground, um, no support, no oxygen, and about 30 to 40 people a week are dying in these tunnels uh, because of collapses or lack of oxygen or that type of thing. And all this is happening at the bottom of our supply chain of what po- powers our cell phones, what powers our, our, our modern day life. And... I don't tell you that to make you feel guilty. I don't know what to do with that. But it's the reality of the world we live in. Um, so he interviews many, many of these people. There's a 15-year-old boy named uh, Matuba. Uh, he arrives into, into this little room that he's doing interviews in uh, with crutches. He has two mangled legs dangling from his narrow waist. And uh, he describes working for a man named Boss Chu. Um, He asked him, I asked Matuba, how many people worked for Boss Chu? He said, at least 40. Were they all children? Yes. He describes these children as being anywhere from the ages of 10 to 13. They were not yet strong enough to dig tunnels, so they dug at the surface in different areas each day. Matuba said he typically earned about $1 a day. Boss Chu paid us based on the purity of the ore. Some days, if the purity was not good, he did not pay us anything. Uh, He describes the night before his accident in 2019. He says, Matuba did not sleep well. There was an ailing dog in the village that howled loudly. Uh, He he got up, he goes outside the hut, and and finds this little dog outside outside his hut. It's huddled meekly next to some bushes. Um, at, on the outskirts of the village. Something had attacked that dog. Its legs, its face were bleeding. It looked at me very sadly. I think it wanted me to end its suffering, but I was afraid. He says the next day, he goes into the mine, and uh, he's down in the pit when all of a sudden, the uh, the, the walls collapse in on him and, and, and uh, a few of his, his family members. He said, I was was buried under the stones. I could not move. I tried to scream, but I could barely breathe. I thought I would choke. After some minutes, I heard shouting. I thank God someone found me. I remember seeing his eyes. They were so big. Some people pulled me out. When I saw my legs, the bones were sticking out of my skin. And he ends the conversation then by saying, Now I know what that dog felt like. I wish I had been brave enough to kill it. Just horrific suffering that's happening at the bottom of our of our um, rechargeable devices and electric cars and electric bikes uh, powering our world today. Um, This is one of many many stories. Turn to uh, James chapter five, and the the account that we're going to read today, the text we're going to dig into today, is sounds very, very, very similar to what's happening in the Congo today. Um, these are probably some of the strongest words in the New Testament on the issue of, of the oppression of the poor, the oppression of laborers, and the, uh, the stockpiling, the hoarding of resources that God has given us uh, at the expense of the poor. James 5, verses 1 through 6. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, your garments are moth eaten, your gold and silver have corroded. Their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. So the heavy words, uh, this is not a cozy Sunday morning sermon, and um, I, I, when I read this, it, it reminded me of, of when I was a kid, uh, how I had two, two siblings that were close to my age, and about weekly one of us would get into trouble, and uh, sometimes it was all of us, sometimes it was just one of us, usually me, not Amy, because she was perfect, but, <laughs> sorry the feeling we would get when one of our siblings was getting a spanking or, or getting disciplined was some, there would be, there'd be times where it's like, like you would, you would feel like there was this, this fear that came over you because you knew that you were partially at fault. And there's part of you that probably deserved to get spanked too. And this realization will come over as you're, you know, as this discipline is happening to your siblings, like, I am going to straighten out my ways. Like, I'm going to make sure this never happens to me. And this is such a, this is a warning to me that I don't want to end up where my sibling is. I, I think when we read this text, I think that's how we should maybe approach this. These are some strong words that James is, is, is describing um, about the rich who are oppressing the poor. And I don't know what goes through your mind when you read this text. Um is it some of you might be thinking, um, well, that's not me. He's not talking about me. I'm not that guy. Some of you might be thinking, well, I hope the guy be sitting beside me is paying attention. I hope he was he had his eyes open and was reading this. Um we we tend to not view ourselves as the rich. And uh, it's we, we think of guys like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or, or sort of the, you know the Hollywood people or the tech people as the rich people, and in the um, the world we live in today, in the, the global reality, is that you and I are the rich in the world today, um, and whether we are living this life or not, I think we should we we, should, we need to pay attention to what James is saying, um, and and listen up. <clears throat> We can sometimes be like the guy who, um, right before the snowstorm hit, goes to Walmart and wipes them out, like just just buys up all the toilet paper. And uh, when his neighbor comes over and sees this pile of toilet paper in his, in his garage, he asks, well, what are you doing with all this? And he says, well, I wanted to get it before all the hoarders got to it. Um, I think we're, we can be a little bit like that. We can, uh, we can, we can think... It's so easy for us to justify ourselves and not take a good look at our, at our own lives. So I invite you guys to be, to be uncomfortable, to allow the scriptures to speak and, and God to speak through the scriptures. Uh, I don't want to stand up here and beat each of you over the head because I don't think that's what, what's, what's happening here. I think what we need to do is allow God, God's word to allow uh, ourselves to be uncomfortable. Um, all right, so what's going on in here? James describes a rich person doing two things here. Number one, he's hoarding God's resources for himself. He's hoarding God's resources for himself. He says, laying up treasures in the last days. He says, your riches are rotted. It's almost like you have so many possessions that they're just sitting around um, being unused. They're, they're, they're starting to rot. He says, your garments are moth-eaten. You have piles of clothing that are, are sitting in your closets, going unused. So much so that even the, you know they 're being destroyed by by moths, your gold and silver have corroded. he says uh, you've lived in luxury and in self-indulgence. He says you've fattened your hearts for slaughter, and the picture he gives us there is of a of a of a steer maybe who who is who's getting getting like Grain-fed for the last several weeks of his life before he heads off to the to the um to the butchers. He, he describes a rich person in that way. <clears throat> I think the second thing that's happening here is that the rich man is he's abusing the power that comes with wealth. Wealth, wealth today in 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 the world today comes with power, and it's 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 something that you can't you can't buy power but if you have wealth you you, you 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 there is power that comes with that and he describes this as he says you aren't paying your workers fair wages or wages at all he says um in verse verse 6 he says you've condemned and murdered the righteous person he doesn't he does not resist you it's almost like those those miners in the congo who who uh, based off the, on the circumstances that they found themselves in, they can't even put up a fight. Like they don't even, uh, they don't have options, so they're forced to, um, to work in these horrible conditions. Um, and the power, nobody wants to take responsibility for it, but somewhere there's a man or a, a company or someone who's taking advantage of, of him um, and who's abusing the power that has come with, with the wealth that he holds. For the sake of the sermon today, I want to focus on, on the f- phrase in verse 4. And the whole point of this sermon and, and the whole point of this text, I think, is is found in, in verse 4, and it's, it's a beautiful thing, and it's something that draws us in. He says, this is the phrase I want to focus on today, He's, verse 4, The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of, of the Lord of hosts At the core of this passage is is a God who has a deep deep love and heart for the poor and for the oppressed. He has a deep deep heart, deep deep love for the poor. He hears and responds to the cry of the poor. He hears and responds to the cry of the oppressed. And I want to I went to look at four different areas throughout Scripture where, where, this, this reality, where we can see this reality, where we can see God's heart uh, revealed for the poor. God's heart for the, for the poor um, revealed to us. So going all the way back to, to uh, Exodus 2, open your Bibles to uh, turn to, to Exodus 2. I think James points us back to this text, and um, just listen to some of the, 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 the really familiar uh, or the really similar words between these two two passages. So the first, the first of the four different areas uh, where God's heart for the poor is expressed in Scripture is in the story of Israel, in um, the story uh, of, the, of the exodus from Egypt. And this is one of the first examples in the Bible where, where we can see God revealing his heart for the poor and where he expresses that, that, that love and that heart for the, for the oppressed. Listen to how similar the, the, this, this wording is uh, to James 5. Exodus 2, verse 23 and 24. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Just a profound two verses there where God hears a cry of his people in, in Egypt who are oppressed, who are under the heel of the Egyptian uh, people and it says, God heard, he saw their suffering and he, he heard their cry. And it says, it, it ends with, and God knew. The word for new, the Hebrew word for new there is, is yada, And yada is the same word used in, in Genesis one, uh, or in, in, in the, in the creation narrative when, when Adam, uh, it says Adam knew Eve, uh, it, it, it's this, like this. It's more than just like this head, this head thing. God saw their suffering, and it, it, he identified with it. He reflected on it. He, it, it moved him deeply. Uh, he knew it, and he responded. And it moved him to his core. Uh, and we see right after this in, in chapter three, God responds. He saw their suffering, he heard their cry, and, and, and he responds. He, he meets Moses in the wilderness by the burning bush, and he calls Moses to lead his people out of, out of Egypt. Um, God hears and responds to the cry of the poor and the oppressed. The second, area I wanna, uh, the second passage I want to look at, or area I want to look at, where God reveals his heart for the poor is in the law of Moses. So we fast forward ourselves to, to uh, the Mount of Sinai. God gives Israel his law through Moses. And in this law, is, um, God's law is meant to affect every single part of his people's lives. And the whole purpose of the law is so that his people will walk, talk, look like, uh, treat others like God himself does. They were to be a, an image and a reflection of God to the world around them. So that when the nations around them would see would see Israel, would see their way of life, what they ate, how they talked, what their justice system was like, um, the way that they treated the poor, the way that they treated each other, the way they worshipped, sacrificed, they would see and they would say, that's who Yahweh is. Like that, what those people are like, that's who God is. And the whole purpose of the law that God gave them was so that they would have a, a way of life and a pattern to follow his ways. And um, the, the Old Testament law, I think we have a, 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 ne- a pretty negative view of it sometimes. Um, and it's true we can't, we can't find justification from our sins by trying to follow the Old Testament law. But when you read the Old Testament law, it is absolutely infused with God's love for the poor. It's infused with the, God's love for the oppressed. And I just want to look at a couple of these verses. Um, in Turn to Exodus 22. This is what God's people are, are to be like. Uh, this is what the Israelites were supposed to be like. And God... It, Yeah, we'll just read in verse 21 through 27 of Exodus 22. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him. Why? He says right here, For you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, listen to this, he says, I will surely hear their cry and my anger will burn. And I will kill you with the sword and your wife shall become widows and your, your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people with you who are poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him and you shall not exact interest from him. If you ever take your neighbor's cloak and pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering and it is his cloak for his body. What else shall he sl- In what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me I will hear for I am compassion for I am compassionate It's profound he's saying Israel do you remember how I how I heard your cry when you were in Egypt I heard your cry in Egypt and I responded He says as my people I want you to respond that way too I want you to have ears that hear the cry of the poor around you and respond how I did Turn to Deuteronomy 24, verses 14 through 15. I'm just highlighting two of these. On your own time, dig through the Old Testament, uh, the laws, and, and, and there's just there's this whole list of them that, that have this whole theme or idea. I, for the sake of time, I'm just picking two of them. Deuteronomy 24, 14 through 15. You shall not oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers or one of the sojourners who are in your land within your towns. You shall give him his wages on the same day before the sun sets, for he is poor and counts on it. Lest he cry out against you to the Lord and you be guilty of sin. Again, he's he's pointing them back to Egypt. He says, remember what happened in Egypt. Remember when you were oppressed, when you cried out to me, I heard your cry and I responded. Don't forget that you too were oppressed in Egypt. <clears throat> I think James uses the same, the same language. I think he's pointing his audience back to, to the Old Testament. His, his audience would have been very familiar with this passage. He's, he, he's, he's, he's saying, he's using labors and harvesters. Um, it sounds very familiar to this text. God hears in response to the cry of the poor, is the idea that, that, that I want to bring out from the Old Testament law here. The third area that we find uh, where God's heart for the poor is expressed is in Israel's judgment. <clears throat> So over time, Israel um, turns to other gods. They walk away from God's law. They they um, follow other gods. Um, and almost always, with this worship of other gods, uh, comes oppression of the poor, a neglect of the poor around them. It comes uh, it, it, the, the two almost always go hand in hand for Israel. And God's response inevitably leads to judgment uh, on, on, on Israel, at least a harsh judgment. The Old Testament prophets, um, the Old Testament books of prophecy are full of language that talks about the judgment on Israel because they've oppressed the poor, because they have taken advantage of the poor, because they've closed their eyes and their ears to the poor. Turn to uh, Ezekiel 16. Ezekiel 16, verses 48 through 50. So God is comparing Israel to an unfaithful wife and he describes why he's bringing judgment on Israel. These are some, these are probably, yeah, we'll just read it. As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and your, and your daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease. But they did not aid the poor and needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me. So I removed them when I saw it. Worse than Sodom. Like, is there a more stinging rebuke for the people of God? He says God's people, my people, were not to be like the nations around them, they were to be a reflection of God's character so that the nations will be drawn to who God is. And he says of Sodom, he says, you know what happened at Sodom. Uh, this is what happened. What you guys are doing is even worse than that. And so he says, I, so I remove them. And this is basically a nice way of saying, I sent fire and brimstone down from heaven and incinerated them. Uh, you know what happens when you... Ignore and neglect the poor when you oppress the poor. James says, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming on you. All right, God's heart for the poor expressed in Jesus. This is the fourth area I want to look at. So obviously it does not go well for Israel when they just walk away from God's laws and, and, and when they oppress the poor. Uh, but the prophets are also full of hope for the, for, for the nation of Israel, full of hope that despite their, their disobedience, or walking away from God, that God will send a Messiah who will restore Israel and who will restore, uh, his people and make things right in the world. Uh, He will set up a kingdom here on earth where the poor will be taken care of, where the oppressed will find, will find um, release and liberty, and where His Son will rule and reign. And we see that, um, just God's, God's heart for the poor in Jesus. Um, just His whole life, everything He did, everything He taught was about, about the oppressed spiritually and physically. Um, turn to Luke 4, verse uh, 18 through, through 19. So Jesus has come. He's just, getting, uh, he's just come out of temptation in the wilderness for 40 days, and he returns to, uh, to Nazareth, his hometown. And this is one of the first instances where he's starting his ministry. He goes to the, to the synagogue, uh, and he stands up to read from the scroll of Isaiah, um, and he finds a place where it is written. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's almost like he dropped a bomb on that little synagogue by by, by saying that. He's saying, I have come to do this. And so often... I think we can view this as a very, very spiritual, maybe a spiritual thing where he, he's, he's coming to uh, uh, set the, the, the you know, to, to proclaim liberty to, to the spiritually poor captives or to the spiritually oppressed, and that is true. But the gospel of Jesus has always been physical. It's always been physical in the world. It's not just this, this heart and head thing. It has real real life consequences, and we see that here He says the good news for the poor, the spiritually poor and the physically poor in the world <clears throat> we see this uh, like really, really highlighted in the teachings of Jesus, and we we know uh, most of us know the teachings of Jesus very well, so I don't want to go into a lot of them, but I want to highlight maybe two. Two verses here where we see that. Um, in Luke 12, 32 through 34, you want to turn there, that'd be, that'd be great. And the, James, the James passage here uses, uses this language of treasures being, being laid up, and, and it very much comes from what Jesus had to say about, about our, our, our resources. Luke 12, 32 through 34 says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and, not, and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This whole theme, Jesus uses this whole theme of not not hoarding God's resources for ourselves, not laying them up for ourselves. He says, lay them up uh, in heaven. Lay up your, your treasures in heaven and give to the poor. I think often when I read Jesus's, what, what Jesus had to say about money, it can almost seem like, uh, it's like Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. It's like, oh, Jesus, like, you're just trying to hamper my fun. Like, like you know, you're just trying to make life boring for me or or you're just trying to it's just like life is just going to be dull that's not at all what he's saying i think what he's saying his whole heart behind this is is the same heart that god had for his people in egypt is that is a heart for the poor and he um the whole purpose behind what jesus taught was that god cares for the poor and the oppressed All right, so what does this mean for us? Um, the cry of the poor is still happening today. And like Israel, God's people in the Old Testament, we, um, God has heard our cry and rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, from the kingdom of, of quote, Egypt, He's heard our cry. He's responded. And as, as his people, as little, I guess, God people or Jesus people here on earth, we're to be a reflection of that to the world around us. And that means that we join God in what he's doing for the poor today, for the oppressed today in our world. It means that we get to join God in hearing the cry of the poor and in responding, we have a pr- the, the privilege of reflecting that part of God, that, that image of God to the world around us. And what James basically says here is, in a sense, and this sounds very, very blunt, but in, se- in a sense he says you can either join God in caring for the poor, or you can weep and wail for the miseries that are coming on you. I in, in, in even like about as blunt words as you can as I can think, he's basically saying you can either get on the bus or you can get run over by it. And that sounds harsh, but I think that's what James is saying. Um so what is like what does that actually practically mean for us today? Um on a practical level, um for our lives today, what does that mean for us? I I think that's where you and I can help each other. Um I think Uh, Several things I can think of that would be, that are maybe practical questions to ask ourselves are, are, um, do you have have resources or wealth um, or or money that is, quote, hands-off to God? Because I think if you do, if we have money that is, or money, resources, possessions that are hands-off to God, we are in trouble. We are in big-time trouble. Uh, I think everything we own should be held with an open hand for God to use. the resources God has given us so that we can respond to the cry of the poor. <clears throat> I think a second thing we can do is, uh, is especially as, as business owners, there's, there's a lot of you business owners here, um, is treat your employees um, fairly and, and well. And that's that's something that I think in our area we do well in. I, I'd like to, like I, I can see, I, I know a lot of you business owners and I know you take good care of your employees and I want to commend you for that. Um, I think a third thing we can do is is maybe ask the question of what, <clears throat> what is at the bottom of the supply chain of, of the things that I'm purchasing? Who is at the bottom of the supply chain of the things I'm purchasing? Whether it's clothes, clothes, um, whether it's, it's electronics. Somebody is making so these things are affordable for us. And this is something I don't know much about, and I don't even know what to do with this, really. Uh, because so much of our global market economy is, is interconnected to where a lot of the, the, the raw goods are coming from poor, poor countries where people are exploited. I don't know what to do with all of that. But at least let, we should be aware of what's going on. We should, we should be want, questioning what is making this iPhone so affordable? Um, who is who is at the bottom of the supply chain? The cry of the poor is still happening today, and we can we can uh, we can join God in in having ears that hear that cry and that respond. And I think that's what what James is saying is let's let's join God in what he's doing in responding to the cry of the poor and the oppressed <clears throat> let's stand up and have a word of prayer please <clears throat> Heavenly Father we just come before you in Jesus name Lord um, we've heard some really uh, heavy words today uh, really heavy teaching and and um, we're not always quite sure what to do with this uh, some of us maybe feel feel uh, feel like we're doing okay here. Some of us maybe feel a little guilty and feel like, "Hey, this is talking about me." Um, but Lord, we want to be your people, and we want to um, we want to follow you in obedience. We want to reflect you in the world today. And um, I ask that you would help us at Grace Point to do that well, to um, to be responsive to the cry of the oppressed in our world today. Uh, we thank you for saving us and for making us a part of your kingdom. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to walk, um, walk in your ways this week. All this is in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat>